You're listening to What a Millennial Girl Wants. Hell if I know, but maybe we can figure it out together. I'm your host, Ardea. Let's get into it. What is up, y'all? I'm back and ready to chat millennial mishaps. I just want to thank y'all for the support on the first episode. I did not think I'd get this far, and I know y'all are probably like, girl, it's only the second episode. But like, I have a really short attention span, (laughs) and I get really into something, and then I just quit. So this is huge for me. Also, after all the work that went into the first episode, I'm basically like a sound engineer or like a BB DJ out here mixing and mashing, giving the people what they want. And y'all, the way you gas me up, baby, I was about to quit my little nine to five, okay? (laughs) But seriously, thank you. And I'm so excited to challenge my commitment issues on this journey. (laughs) Before we get into today's shenanigans, I need a little drink, y'all. That means it's cocktail time. The cocktail I picked this time around, again, super simple. And it's a real nod to sour candies, which is basically my whole adolescence. Funny story, I used to trick my dad as a kid into eating warheads. Um, He hates anything sour. or spicy, or really anything that he can't identify. And once I learned this, uh, it was a wrap. So I unwrap the candy and be like, here, try this. And I get him every single time, y'all. I mean, like, what can I say? I've been down for the shenanigans since day one. (laughs) But anyway, this drink is called the Lucky Shamrock. Um, but it has a bit of tequila, a little sour apple pucker, a splash of agave, there's some lime juice in there. It feels perfect for a hot summer day, but y'all already know. You have to head over to at what a millennial girl wants on Instagram and you can find the recipe there. Whip it up, enjoy it, let me know how you feel, okay? All right, so this episode was inspired by Hell's Kitchen. Yes, you heard that right. The cooking competition with Chef Gordon Ramsay, who, side note, is fine, y'all, okay? But that ain't got nothing to do with today. Um, anyway, <laughs> this is the 20th season of the show, and the theme is Young Guns. So everybody is like 24 or younger, and I noticed while watching the show, there was this pattern every time the chefs would introduce themselves and I wasn't really feeling it. Um, It seemed like every time the chefs would give their backstory or a little bit of a bio about themselves, they would really just highlight the struggle or how hard they've had to grind when it comes to advancing in their career. And I was like, "Mm, I don't like that. Uh, Here's an example. It was like, hi, I'm Ashley from Atlanta. I work full time. I go to school full time. I have a part time job. I get like three hours hours of sleep but I love this because it's my passion or it's like hey I'm Kyle from Connecticut I work 70 hours a week I haven't slept in 20 days but like this is what you have to do if you want to make it and I was like "Mm, I don't like that (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, for a while, I've been thinking about how toxic hustle culture is, especially during this pandemic. And it really bothers me that it has been ingrained within millennials that if we aren't breaking our necks to succeed or get some sort of recognition, you know, burning out before we've even begun, we're lazy or entitled or unmotivated. And I'm like, why can't 40 hours a week be enough? Why do I have to sacrifice my mental and physical well-being for a paycheck? Like, I refuse to live to work. Um, It's just like a big thing in my life. I'm not doing it. But it took me a long time to get to that mentality. In this episode, I'd really like to dive into how I've successfully arrived to that space. <laughs> Like, I can definitely be honest and say that my career journey has not been at all what I thought it would be, especially since I graduated high school at 17 and I had this whole idea on how college and everything after would go, but none of that happened. And in the beginning, that felt very discouraging. You know, I've never been one of those people who put a timeline on things like career and marriage and all that, but I definitely felt the outside pressure from the world right like this idea that we have to constantly be engaged with our career and thinking of next steps it's kind of wild and I was having these thoughts before I even got my first job which is just insane So when I first got out of college, I couldn't find a job. I mean, who could? And the first air quotes, big girl job that I took was probably one of the worst jobs that I've ever had. Um, I felt like I was in a bind. I felt like I really had to get a job and just get out there and just start and take whatever was offered. Like how many times have y'all been in a situation like that where you're miserable and you think I don't like this but I'll take whatever I can and you quickly realize that the grass is not always greener on the other side so when I was in college I worked with elementary school kids I was like a youth counselor and basically I taught enrichment courses y'all one year they had me teaching dance I ain't got no damn rhythm but I was up in there trying okay Beyonce who Janet Jackson where <laughs> one year they had me teach soccer I couldn't tell you one damn rule about soccer but I was sporty spice that year okay I was up there killing it <laughs> so I was just all over the place but I learned really really quickly that I didn't want to be a teacher um, I think the common misconception when you get a degree in English is that you want to continue on and become a teacher I didn't want to do that I knew very quickly I didn't want to work with kids I don't even like kids but again I'm in a bind and this offer comes my way to be a teaching assistant at one of the schools I had worked that over the summer and I'm like okay like cool like I kind of I know these kids and I know the faculty I know the building like sure and they're like hey you've worked all four summers within the school district like you don't even have to get a TA certification we'll just hire you based on your experience with working with us over the summer and I'm like oh okay um that's a red flag but you know I'm like okay <laughs> And let me preface this by letting you know this school district is a really, really, really awful school district. Um, I hate to say that, but like the graduation rate was super low. Students were violent, even at the younger level. Um, they couldn't keep teachers. It was just a mess. So I was like, okay, it seems very apparent that they just really need bodies and they're willing to bend rules and do whatever they need to do. Not okay, but okay. I'm like, sure, I'll do this. So 
I accepted the job and they tell me that they're going to put me at one of the schools that I used to work at, like I said. So I'm super excited because it's one of the better schools. Well, the Friday before I'm supposed to start, they send me an email, y'all, at 5 p.m. Okay, I'm pretty sure this woman typed this email out and then she just dipped. <laughs> she was like, we know we said that you were going to go to this school, but we're actually going to move you to the other school. And I read the school name and I'm like, immediately no. Immediately no. I've seen what I need to see. No. The school they were trying to place me at was for children who had emotional and behavioral issues. I have emotional behavioral issues, so I have no business trying to work with children who have emotional and behavioral issues as well, okay? So I'm freaking out all weekend. Monday morning comes and I go down to the office and I'm like, y'all, I think you made a mistake. This isn't right. And they're like, look, we really need teachers there. You know, we're sorry for the last minute switch. And I'm like, they did this on purpose. Like, you know, I already quit my job, so I'm like, okay and i'm starting to see how things work like wow how naive i was to think that these people really wanted me for my skills and talent and it was none of that shit. so i'm like okay so i get to the school i'm scared out of my mind y'all because this school is rough okay have y'all ever seen dangerous minds mm, okay this is worse than that okay michelle pfeiffer wouldn't last one day up in the school so i get to the main office and they're like listen we're gonna pair you with a student who's autistic and nonverbal." and i was like what I have no training in teaching or helping teach special education. Remember, they hired me telling me I didn't have to get the TA certification, so I'm really not even equipped to do this job. And I need y'all to understand that the issue wasn't that this student had special needs. The issue is that this wasn't the school I agreed to work at and that I didn't have the proper training. Um, also, like I mentioned, this school was for children who had behavioral issues. None of the staff were equipped with the right training or skills to work with this student. And instead of getting him the proper services, they just stuck him with me. So anyway, I get into the room and he's off the chain. Much bigger than me, stronger than me, very aggressive. And I can't blame him because on top of, you know, there being no structure, you've got kids chucking chairs across the room. You've got the other half threatening to do bodily harm to staff. I mean, it was wild no teaching took place at this school um, and i just remember sitting there within all this chaos and thinking about how hard i worked on my resume and how i nailed the interview and i'm like for what i just sat here and i got got like that's crazy so i remember going home that day and i cried so hard and i had just started dating my husband and i remember texting him and i was like i can't do this i can't do this and you know I was talking to my parents and they were like, let's just try, just see how things might go. Maybe the staff and the other teachers will help you. Like maybe they have some sort of sense of community. Y'all, that is not what happened. So not only am I working with a child that I have no business working with, and I'm just spending most of my time dodging hits and kicks, I notice some of the staff start treating me poorly and I'm very confused. I had become close with one of the teaching assistants that worked in the same classroom as me and we became like gym buddies. We just like to go to the gym after work. And like I said, I was dating Andrew, she was married and somebody got so bored that one day they created a fake Facebook page and messaged her wife and told her wife that we were hanging out outside of work we were leaving work together we were eating lunch together i already told y'all that we worked in the same room i didn't get a lunch 
because I spent most of my time trying to keep children from running out of the building. <laughs> so these rumors, which in the workplace is, is simply harassment, um, were wild. Not only are you coming from my relationship in this TA's marriage, but imagine how far that one rumor could have spread and in turn, you know, damage my reputation and career. So at this point, I'm just super uncomfortable. So I'm trying to make myself smaller. I'm looking for other jobs. I'm just trying to stay under the radar. So I started eating lunch with the custodian. Okay, well, eating lunch with the custodian creates a rumor that I'm hooking up with him in his office. Y'all, this man is as old as my dad, probably even knows him, probably grew up with him, went to the same school with him because Syracuse isn't even that big. And these old ass teachers were really out here trying to start something out of nothing. So at this point, I had had enough. I didn't feel comfortable going to the principal's office and speaking to her. So I was like, let me just go down to the district office. And they tell me that there's no one available to talk to me. And when I tell you I lost my shit, I mean, I blacked out. I don't remember what happened, but somebody got there to talk to me. So I'm like, listen, I was supposed to go to this one school and instead you put me in this other school. Like, this is ridiculous. And I remember this woman handing me a tissue and she's like, okay, but you need to get back to work. And I was like, what? I'm clearly experiencing a crisis and you just told me I need to get back to work so they called the principal and they were like your staff is down at the district office causing a scene you need to have better control over them and I was like oh my god and right then and there I was like okay I'm quitting so the entire time that I was in that position I really was neglecting my mental health because I was under the impression that if I just did my best and I showed up and I continued to go hard, I could somehow figure out how to advance in my career. And y'all remember I said I didn't want to be a teacher, but I was like, hey, this is the only job, this is the only opportunity I got right now. I got to figure out how to make it work. But I kept thinking like maybe I would only have to spend a year at this school and then they place me somewhere else. Or maybe I'd only have to spend two years at this school. But I really thought that if I just pushed through and I showed that I was capable, even though I was being physically assaulted and threatened on a daily basis, that somehow it would all just work out. And I know most of you are probably thinking like, was it that serious? Um, it totally was. It's one thing to work in a school, you know, where kids are cussing and they're disrespectful, but I will never forget or repeat some of the things that were said to me. And I'd also like to point out that on top of this, I was working at the after school program at the school that I was originally supposed to be placed at. You know, just trying to prove that I was worthy of a position there. Um, I was doing Tuesday and Thursday after school, so I would drive from the bad school to this school. And I didn't even want the job because I had never taught. This after school option and opportunity was me leading a class. And I told the woman, I said, I've never, ever, ever taught on my own this is not what I signed up to do. Like, I just thought maybe I could help out. And she was like, listen, we really need teachers. The person that I was going to hire, like, you know, they backed out last minute. And I was like, okay. And she's like, you know, but we'll help you. And again, it was extra money. It was like, it was pretty good money. And I was like, okay. The help never came. Um, but I had no proper training, like I said. So I was Googling how to make lesson plans and I was buying my own supplies. And it was really nerve wracking because they would have, you know, staff come in and kind of like audit your class. And I'm just always winging it. And I was like, 
I don't know, anything that I can do to make me look good, you know, I was like, okay, I'll try it. And I remember like the teachers would hear what school I worked at during the day and they'd be like, oh my God. And I was like, hello, can anyone help me out or point me in the right direction? Like, you know, I'm at this school, you know, I'm struggling. Like, is there any advice you can give me like how can I navigate this and I wasn't asking for help in an entitled way I was simply just trying to gain insight and use my resources which clearly failed (laughs) but you know guys I was just really really struggling at that time I didn't realize that I was crying a lot more um you have all this built up stress and energy and you don't know what to do so you're crying I was drinking a lot more because it was just fun to be drunk and not thinking about work and it was just really really eye-opening at a very very young age can you imagine that being your first experience in the workplace like Outside of working a few hours a week at a car wash in like Build-A-Bear as a teenager, this was my for real introduction into the workplace. And looking back, I can't believe that I, as the young, dumb 22 year old, was being bullied by people who I thought, you know, would just wanna help me. Um, It was a really, really weird and discouraging time. So when I left there, I had a couple of jobs still working with children and again, realizing that I just, that's not what I really wanted to do. And then I was offered a job that actually coincided with, you know, my degree and what I wanted or what I thought I wanted. And I was like, okay, this is great. Is anybody picking up on how I think everything is great and it never is? So this job is the one that moved me to Raleigh and we've already explored some of that trauma. But here I learned really quickly that it doesn't matter who you know, it's all about who knows you. So I was attending all these networking events and I tried really hard to make LinkedIn connections, which don't even get me started on LinkedIn. But I had been in the role for about 10 months when I found out that my team was going to be affected by layoffs. So of course, I didn't know who's going to be affected, but I was like, yo, let me tell everyone I can so we can all get out of here. Just knowing how things pan out in my life. How do y'all think this ended? <laughs> Most of my peers were able to find something new. I wasn't, but I didn't end up getting the big chop. But I was still really nervous because I had never experienced this before. I was like, are they going to do this again in a month? Is this going to happen again in the next two months? Like, what's going on? So I was attending all these business resource groups and I'm just trying to get my name out there. I'm just trying to meet people. I'm doing exploratory interviews with executives and you know, I'm just working my butt off. Do you know that none of them helped me? (laughs) So I continue to bust my butt and I finally get a new role at the same company, but I'm like, okay, I put all this work and effort into this. This is so gonna work. Yeah, well, none of that mattered because guess who got laid off in the middle of a pandemic? (laughs) And let me just be clear and say that my layoff had nothing to do with COVID. Uh, My layoff was because this is what this company does. Every year I call it the purge. It's just one of those things where they clean house. And I think I was one of 22,000 people who were laid off during this time just because there was new leadership. And, you know, they come in, they have to show why they were chosen and how they're the best. And that means saving the company money. Yeah. Okay, sure. 
I really felt like um, while I was trying to be perfect, which is impossible, um, and I was trying to, you know, essentially compete with my peers, that it was just weird. <laughs> um, but definitely in my first position, I let a lot of things slide, um, specifically the way I was talked to by, you know, some of the clients we worked with. Um, it was totally not okay, but at the time, I was like, this is corporate America. Um, no. <laughs> I remember once I got on a call and the client was going over what I had made edits to and what I rewrote. And at the time I was a proposal writer and I remember him using every cuss word and, you know, saying, who wrote this? This was written at like a fourth grade level. Like he just tore it to shreds. And I remember just being on mute and crying and like no one on my team having my back. And I was just like, this is terrifying. <laughs> and it was like really weird, especially because this is like a Fortune 500 company. Um, that's like the wild thing. I want you guys to know this company is huge. It's not like I was at this little startup, you know, and everybody's learning what to do. Like this is a multi-billion dollar company. Um, I need you to have your shit together. Um, I just couldn't believe that I was being talked to like that. And it happened more than once. And it was never like constructive criticism. Um, it was like, hey, you wrote this, it sucks, you suck. And I was just like, oh, okay, um, cool. I didn't realize until maybe about two months ago when a client talked to me like that at a different job and my whole team was like, are you okay? Cause that's not okay. And I was like, what? And I think something that's discouraging to me is being so naive and thinking that when you're on a team, people wanna help and collaborate with you. But at the end of the day, everybody's just trying to outshine one another. And I've just never had that, you know, vibe about me. I also just remember my mental health totally being, you know, screwed over. Um, again, I kept saying if I just keep pushing and I do this right now, it'll help me get to this next spot. I just have to stay focused on what I can add to my resume, how I could connect with so-and-so on LinkedIn and what I could put on there. And it was just like insane. Like I just constantly felt like I had to be productive. If I wasn't sitting here thinking about what I could do next and how I could get there next and how I could advance, I wasn't being productive. Like if I'm taking vacation, I'm not being productive. If I'm sleeping, I'm not being productive. And like that is just not how like the world should run. And I want to be really clear when I say that, you know, my layoff had nothing to do with my work performance and my work ethic. I don't know, but I remember all the things that I sacrificed because I thought I had to be the best. And I thought, you know, if I didn't use my time off, I was a hard worker. If I was constantly signing up for this task or this task, it means I'm really dedicated. You know, none of it really makes sense to me. This culture of just like going super duper hard and where's the payoff? Um, do you hope to see it in the next couple of years? Cause it's not instant. That's not what this is. So it's just really weird and wild in this space. And I don't want to be a part of it. <laughs> I just want to be honest, I'm at a point where I refuse to accept the only way to get somewhere is to destroy your mental and physical health. This idea that we have to get to the top for what? What's up there? I mean, 
I understand it's better pay and probably a nicer view, but at what expense? And let me just say, because I feel like this isn't said enough, it is totally okay to be good where you're at. Do not let people, society, these corporations make you believe that you haven't made it if you're not at the top, if you're not the CEO, if you're not in a managerial position, if you're not in a supervisory role. Not everybody wants to do that. Sometimes we're just comfortable where we're at and that's totally okay. Not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody wants to come up with the next big job title. Like it's totally okay. I'm going to be a thousand percent transparent with y'all. Um, when I lost my job, like I can laugh about it now because we're kind of through the pandemic and I obviously have a new job. But when I lost my job, I didn't realize that I was attributing my self-worth to a title. Um, that's some deep ass shit. So I hope you had something to drink when I said that. Um, I really had no sense of self. I lost my identity. I didn't know who I was because I wasn't Ardea who worked at X, Y, and Z. But it took a really long time, a really long time and a lot of cocktails, um, a lot, <laughs> to understand that. But I just want everybody to know it's totally okay to be good where you are. And I'm not saying like totally be lazy at your job, don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just saying, why are we breaking our necks and doing all these things and it's not even worth it? And if that makes me an entitled lazy millennial, because I've heard that before, um, well then guess what? I will wear that badge with honor. All right, y'all, it looks like we have come to the end of the road. I'm probably going to go listen to Boys the Man after making that comment. If you know, you know. If you don't, you should. <laughs> anyway, I want to know your thoughts. How do you feel? Do you think that hustle culture has affected you? Did you even think about it before hearing this episode? What are you doing to preserve your mental health when it comes to navigating your career? I want to know. Head over to at what a millennial girl wants on Instagram drop a comment or two i would love to hear it but before i scoot out you already know it's time for the song of the day yeah! couldn't just pick one because i felt like both of these songs just vibe with this episode so the first song i chose is all about the benjamins because it is what it is you know it's just real vibey you got diddy you got little kim you got the locks you got everybody up on there just a real dope record the second song i'm going to pick is mo money mo problems because even if you aren't listening to the lyrics it's a fun one to just dance to so i invite you to jam out have a good time have a drink maybe a lucky shamrock maybe if I continue to drink a Lucky Shamrock, I'll get lucky and I'll have my dream job like tomorrow. I don't know, but we'll see. As always, it's been fun, y'all, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Bye.